everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. I'm glad that you are joining me again. I'm happy to be with you. And today we are going to talk about UFOs, or as they're now known to us, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And I just learned the reason for the change from UFO to UAP is because a UFO is a flying phenomenon. And because these objects that we are seeing, quote unquote, apparently do things that somehow defy the laws of physics regarding flight, they've switched the term to aerial phenomenon because they may not be flying at all. Well, this whole issue was hot for a while. It was on CNN and Fox News and the local news station, etc. Up until a couple of months ago when the government report came out all about this, more on that later. And so now it's kind of on the back burner. So there was this big to do about UAPs in the spring and then the government report came out and it all sort of quietly went away, so to speak. But I want to talk about it because I am convinced it's going to return with even more fervor. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I personally am convinced we're going to see it again. So when I think about what's happened in my lifetime, for instance, UAPs have gone from Area 51 to hallucinations, crackpot theories, men in tinfoil hats, and science fiction movies to government task forces, interviews with Navy pilots on 60 Minutes, and a two-hour interview I listened to between the journalist Megyn Kelly and two experts in the field on her podcast. In other words, this whole thing is in the mainstream now. And we even have this report, like I said, and the report basically says, yeah, well, we still don't know what's going on. <laughs> you can read it on a PDF file if you look for it online. So I'm going to talk about it anyway, because it will come back. And I think it's an important issue as it relates to the last days. When I first became a Christian, I don't know about you, I was in my early 20s and there was nothing more fun than to sit around and talk about the Lord and heaven and what it would be like when he came back. And we would sing praise songs late into the night. Of course, that's when I had energy and wasn't falling asleep at 8.30. Boy, have things changed. But I distinctly remember how many conversations we'd have about the rapture of the church. And one pointed question was always, when Jesus removes us, and that's 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, repay in the Greek, meaning a stroke, a beat, a moment of time. And we're gone. We are gone. How are the people on the earth going to explain our disappearance? One of those questions that Christians speculate about. And one thing we would toss around was, strange as it sounds, maybe they'll say aliens took us, right? Because we are a restraining power. And even 30 years ago, when I first got saved in the secular world, that was there was progressive ideology then, and they were eager to push out scripture and Jesus, and they would say, oh, it's just old men who wrote an old book with old ideas. Of course, that's the world talking, and it's been that way for centuries. So we would talk about this inevitable clash of worldviews when Christianity became taboo in this country, and we were the only holdout upholding traditional biblical values. And at some point, we would be tossed out of the public square entirely because they could not stand our stand for the truth. You know, we would say, 
how the world might explain this is those Christians were archaic in their thinking and they were the only thing standing in the way of our progress and this one world global vision. So the aliens got rid of them so that we, meaning the world, could be more successful. They had to get them out of the way. And it seemed totally outlandish at the time. I mean, we laughed about it. And I didn't hear much about aliens or UFOs in the intervening years from those first conversations when I was a young Christian. But now, wow, here we go, mainstream. Like I said, 60 Minutes, CNN, Fox News, local news, people are reporting on this and they're kind of accepting it like, well, we're seeing all of these things and in the next breath, maybe they're aliens as though that's not a bizarre statement to make. So, and now the Megyn Kelly podcast. Now, Megyn Kelly had on this fellow named Lou Elizondo. He was on the show. He's the biggest voice about this right now. He's legitimate in his field of expertise and he was hired to run the Advanced Aerospace Threat identification program. It's a government program. So Lou Elizondo tells his story. And I encourage you, if you're interested in this subject, to listen to Megyn Kelly's podcast because it's very interesting. And of course, Lou Elizondo has to set up the whole premise and how trustworthy the people that he has spoken to are. And of course, I understand that. That's important when you're dealing with UAPs and potential alien invasions because the rational thinker is going to insist it's a bunch of hocus pocus. <laughs> it got a lot of credibility though because the Navy pilots are claiming to see these things. And we all know that in general, they're more on the scientific side and they're not given to histrionics or telling tales or believing anything but hardcore data. So when they're surprised and can't explain things, you know, one tends to sit up and take notice. So Lou Elizondo says, I met this gentleman, this is Lou speaking, who was literally a rocket scientist, aerospace engineer, not animated, just the facts. That's how he described him. And Lou's job, and this was a bipartisan effort, which is important to, uh, to the issue as well. He was to establish counterintelligence and a security portfolio, basically to investigate and see what was going on if there was a high threat of adversarial penetrations. So his job was to make it difficult for the enemy to sneak into our house, the USA. If something is flying around in controlled US airspace and we don't know what it is, that's not okay. And so, uh, especially if they can perform outperform, I should say, anything in our current inventory. Well, also, apparently, the Russians and Chinese say that they are having the same problems, which puts an interesting layer onto this, that they are seeing UAPs and their controlled airspace. So you could say then, is this, is this an enemy from here on Earth <laughs> or from another country? Well, it wouldn't be. If they already have the technology, that's a whole nother story. But if they're seeing it too, and we're all in this together against this one enemy that's some foreign enemy, you're kind of considering that. So the other thing to consider in that respect is if they had this kind of technology, they could overtake the world right now. I mean, they've outmaneuvered us, they could take over, and they wouldn't be playing a bunch of games if they want to rule the world with this stuff, they could just do it. I think China spends billions to try to hack us and steal our technology all the time. So why would they do that if they already had objects that could perform like these ones that we're seeing? 
So it's interesting because it's a global issue. Now, I am not Megyn Kelly. I do not have her pull, her resources, her star power, her access, but she did have to go out and find an expert in this. And I just have to walk into the next room to find one because my husband has been an aerospace engineer for almost 40 years. He's an expert in advanced propulsion systems and hypersonics. So I just said the Lou Elizano man said that he talked to a rocket scientist and he said a rocket scientist, an aerospace engineer, not animated, just the facts. That's how he describes the rocket science that he talked to. Well, I asked my husband, a rocket science, aerospace engineer, not animated, just the facts guy about this very topic and about the information. So welcome husband, good to have you on. Uh -huh. <laughs> I told you that he was just the facts, just the facts, not animated aerospace engineer. So this is what Lou Elizondo, and I've told you about Lou Elizondo, the head guy, the advanced aerospace threat identification program guy. So we're just going to go through a couple of questions and I would love your feedback. So he says, Lou says, in regard to flight, that there are four fundamental forces, thrust, lift, drag, and weight. And that these things, these things, meaning these UAPs, don't have any of that. They don't have wings, propulsion, or cockpits. To say they are flying may not be accurate. They are in our atmosphere, but we don't know if they are employing the same type of technology to fly. They could be using something radically different. It's just unidentified aerial phenomenon. So my first question is, to fly, do we have to have those elements? Well, those are in general flight physics those are the four things that that we apply to them so there's a motivating force which generally we call thrust there's a force that counteracts the weight of the vehicle to keep it in the air which we call lift and then there's the resistance of the air as you're moving through the air which we call drag and in an aircraft's cruise condition, thrust equals weight and lift equals drag. Now, for example, he's talking about aircraft without wings. We've flown that. We've flown that for many, many years. So, you know, if any of you remember the $6 million man, that, that was a, a, an actual existing program that they show this space vehicle that he was flying. It was a wing called the wingless lifting body and uh quite frankly you can fly a piano you know my uh, aerospace professor said that way back when i was in college you could fly a piano if you had enough uh thrust and control surface so you know th th those kinds of statements i think are misleading oh well that's good to know okay and that's really funny that you mentioned the six million dollar man i loved the bionic woman and now all I can see in my head is a flying piano okay <laughs> well it's it's important to understand that you know it doesn't have to look like an airplane to fly good point I mean you know they were flying balloons back in the early 18th century um, hot air balloons people were flying around in those and those don't look like airplanes true 
And, you know, there's uh, modern versions of those flying around and they don't look like blimps. And so people look at these and they say, these look strange. I don't understand what I'm seeing. And that's a good way to put it. Okay. Thank you for that. Now, this there was a Navy pilot, Top Gun graduate for the radar school, et cetera, and he was on the USS Princeton. And he said it was literally raining what he called, you know, UAPs and that the radar can see a baseball at 80,000 feet. And they were coming in from 80,000 feet. This is presumably from low Earth orbit, which I know you understand what that means, dropping within a second, 50 feet over the water and hovering. And then there were pilots describing this roiling white water in a tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac shaped, oval, 40 foot long, thing and it came to them and accelerated like nothing they've ever seen no markings no wings no exhaust fumes and then it showed up 60 miles away in a matter of seconds is that possible with what we know about flight and technology or does it sound possible or plausible well it's very easy to fly something without exhaust fumes i mean that's part of what folks do in the low observables market and i'm holding up my quotes my finger quotes here, you, you try and hide these things. And certainly there are other uh, technologies that produce motivating force besides simple thrusters like a jet engine. And so, you know, there's lots of technology going on in the world today and our adversaries uh, outside of the United States are trying to develop these technologies as well. Without seeing the report, I don't know what this person in particular saw. He's seeing it on a radar, he's getting some kind of radar data, which can be wrong, you know. Uh, how many of us have heard the stories of police uh, radar guns uh, clocking an oak tree at 50 miles an hour? <laughs> so it's not end all, you know, confirmation of way out technology. But they're definitely seeing something that is very confusing to them because well, they, they think you, it's you, so strange. You run into these phenomena and you go, oh, that, that looks bizarre. Now, if it was something that was repeatable day to day, day in, day out, you got the same data every time. A lot of these seem like one-off incidences. They're bizarre, and there's a lot of bizarre one-off incidences in this report, but they don't seem to replicate themselves. So, so let's say we had these descending craft that were coming from low Earth orbit. And by the way, that, that report in itself sounds odd because low Earth orbit is something like uh, 100 to uh, um, 300 uh, miles up from the surface of the Earth. And 80,000 feet is quite short of that. In fact, that's only, uh, what, uh, 40, 40 miles up? So it's quite a bit lower than that, and it's still in the atmosphere versus something that's at 100,000 feet is above the what they consider the von Karman limit, which is a uh, it's at roughly 86 kilometers, I believe, where they would consider the the continuum of the atmosphere ends and the the vacuum of space begins, even though there's still particles from the atmosphere out there in space when you're in orbit. 
All right, great, got that. Okay, let's move to the next thing that he said. He said, these are real objects that can be seen and measured and touched, that they have mass, instantaneous maneuvers, and hypersonic velocity, which you know about because you're an expert in hypersonics, right? Well, I, I spent a good deal of my career working in that. Yes, yeah. so. <laughs> okay. So some kind of physics problem, which I know that you're a very good physics guy too. If there's this Blackbird, is that a helicopter? No, a black the Blackbird bird is... Uh, the SR-71 Blackbird built by Lockheed Skunk Works, and that's a Mach 3-ish kind of airplane. It's not hypersonic. Hypersonic would be Mach 5 and above. Okay. Um, there's things that fly plus Mach 5. Uh, artillery rounds can fly above Mach 5. Uh, um, you know, uh, missiles can fly above Mach 5. The Russians... Uh, have a missile, I forget, a hypersonic missile that they've been touting for some time now. Vladimir Putin has bragged about it. Uh, I forget the name of the missile, but uh, it, it's supposedly around Mach 12. So, Which is very fast. And, <laughs> right? and the United States has flown, you know, it's out there in the public domain, but they've flown uh, hypersonic vehicles as well. Okay, well, speaking of that, from what I understand, and I think you've said that this is true, that if something is going fast that way, let's say 13,000 miles an hour in the atmosphere, this atmosphere here, not, I guess, what is this low earth atmosphere? What is it's our just atmosphere? atmosphere? Just atmosphere, okay. Where the air is dense and executing a 180 degree turn instantaneously sounds impossible. That there's G-force well beyond anything material to withstand it. I, I'm figuring he means no human could sustain that kind of uh, G-force in the cockpit. And then saying that the signatures that would normally go along with this, heat ablation in the front of the aircraft, atmospheric ionization, stripping of the electrons due to friction, and no sonic boom. So... And the question being, do we have anything that, that goes that fast or aircraft that can perform those things? Well, it, there's all kinds of technologies out there that can change the drag of something. And you can do that with magnetohydrodynamics. They do that with underwater craft. Um, you can do that with so electrical kinds of impulses. I, I think there was a paper out there that talked about um, putting a electrical uh, rod with high voltage on it out in front of the vehicle, which would cause a drag reduction in the vehicle. There's technology out there that would suggest you could do some of the things, maybe not all of the things that are talked about in this report. I would question the, the accuracy of the observation. And that's really probably the most important question because we talked about this and I think it's, it's really important to discuss that. And I know you can't say unequivocal things that the government tells us, but Lou says we have evidence that, uh, we have no evidence that a human is flying them because the technology is beyond our grasp and that there's another perplexing question, the object anticipated where there were pilots that were headed and they were engaged and they, and this thing met them at their quote unquote cat point, which is encrypted information. And the object went 60 miles in six seconds. Again, with the same things that were not there that you seemingly have to have for flight, which now you're kind of explaining that not necessarily do you have to have them, which is an important point. So 
what would be at this moment, two, two questions, two last questions. I wanna talk about uh, data and error in calculations. And then I wanna ask you, what is your best guess about what's happening? So talk about the error. Well, first I'd like to go back to something you just said. The, the four things, the four motivating forces that are involved in flight, they have to be counteracted. I mean, it's not like you can just eliminate one. They're there, you know, right. if an object has mass, it's gonna be attracted to the earth. And so therefore it has the force of gravity acting on it, right. weight. Okay. And uh, to counteract that, there's a counteracting force. It doesn't necessarily have to come from wings. That's kind of the point I was making earlier. It doesn't have to come from places that we commonly attribute that to. So you can levitate it with a force like a thrust producing force, but put it in the vertical direction and it produces lift. Or you have the lifting body, which I mentioned, you know, was on the $6 million man. Those forces are in play. If you move through the atmosphere, there's gonna be some sort of resistance. You can do things to mitigate that, but you, I don't think you can get rid of them. I don't think it's physically possible. Flying through the atmosphere at very high speeds, you're gonna generate friction. Those kinds of things are in reality going to happen to some effect. It's whether you have the technology to mitigate the adverse parts of those effects. And so now we'll get to your question about uh, taking data and observation and error in that. Right, that is an important question. And because, and just quickly, but because if those things are true or are happening, that would be quite spectacular. Would that be fair to say? Which, if, which things? The, if the, the, the things, things that these that people are claiming. reporting. Yeah, it, it, would, it would say that either, you know, this is an alien technology or that our adversaries have a huge jump on what, you know, what we can do. I mean, if you could fly through the atmosphere without feeling any form of drag, you would, and do right angle turns, that you could uh, subdue any enemy in the air, for example. Right. That's sort of what I figured. Okay. So please talk to us about errors in, in well, what you we know, see or calculations. Data, you know, the scientific method talks about, you know, you observe phenomena, you do an experiment, you take data, but you've got to be able to repeat it. Some of you recall there was a talk about cold fusion and people observe things in the laboratory that would say that we could create fusion without very high temperatures, which has never been done before. And this idea that on a tabletop, you could create a fusion experiment without shielding and all these kinds of things um, by the observation of some scientific types, okay? Some people that were doing research and the, their observations were wrong, okay? And, and so this was, held out they were unable to repeat the experiments well they repeated the experiments but the data they got was different so observations of the incredible have to come under very high levels of scientific scrutiny and we need to see repeatability so if you're dealing with technologies that are beyond your comprehension you have to be very careful about what you're looking at i mean we we make all kinds of bad observations 
in science. Um, I've seen it in the work that I do in the aerospace industry. Um, what was the cold fusion? Uh, what was the upshot of that? What was the end result of that? The upshot was it didn't it didn't work. It didn't exist. They thought it would. Yeah, and I think people are still pursuing it, but it it doesn't work. You know, okay. the, this kind of technology would revolutionize the the whole energy industry. Oh, you know, it's kind of the you know, if you go to pop culture and look at, you know, Iron Man with his flying suit with the little uh, power generator yes. in the chest. Yes. So that's kind of the idea of cold fusion, but you would have small packages. It would be ready, readily available. You know, you wouldn't have tremendous structures with shielding and all this sort of thing going on. You would have these compact power plants uh, also in pop culture you have uh, back to the future and the, the mr fusion device so those are the kinds of things you would you know the the fantasy uh that you would get in that kind of a device but well-meaning scientists thought they had observed this kind of a uh, way out their technology uh coming to fruition and it really was nothing because the observation was an error. I follow a lot of the astronomy um, YouTube information out there because it's kind of a hobby of mine, but there, there was some recent observations where they thought particular galaxies or stars were moving at, you know, 10 times the rate they thought they were observing but they made observational errors. And so they had to then later reduce the velocities down by a factor of 10. And it was one of these situations where it was, they made some assumptions and the assumptions were bad. And this is typically what happens in all sciences. There's assumptions made because you have not complete data for what you're observing. And so you have to fill in the gaps where there's lack of knowledge by making assumptions. And those assumptions can be bad. Well, now, just to cap it off with the UFOs, UAPs, what say you? <laughs> What's your best guess? I, I don't have enough information to make any reasonable thing other than I just think people don't know what they're looking at. That would be your... That would really be where you rest in this whole thing, is you yeah, don't that's, really that's think where they know I would. What they're looking at. I think there's probably uh, observations of technologies that are not open to the public, and that could be from the United States. It could be from adversaries to the United States, primarily Russia and uh, China, and. But Russia and China both say that they've had this happen to them as well. I know everybody could be lying, but one of my points is that if Russia and China had it, they probably wouldn't be hacking us because they could, like you said before, take over. Well, imagine if you were if you were experimenting with a technology that uh, could overwhelm your enemies. Right. Would you admit to it? Yeah, you wouldn't admit to it, but I figured they would have taken us over by now if they had it, yeah. right? But that's all speculation, I know, but this is my one Big final question. You're not ruling out demon activity, right, honey? It could be demon activity, which I'm going to talk about soon. Well, <laughs> uh, why why in particular would you pick it as demon activity? I mean, certainly 
uh, supernatural creatures could cause something like this to happen. Exactly. So, but they could have caused all kinds of other things. Yes, they could. So it's just fun to speculate. But that was wonderful. That was so uh, informative and so helpful. So thank you, honey, for being on. And I will let you go. Bye for now. <laughs> all right, everybody, back to Megan Kelly. So this is interesting, right on top of what we just talked about with my husband. She said to this man, I'm sure your first question is, where is the data? She said that kind of that same thing as my husband was just saying. You want proof as opposed to just eyewitness accounts. Well, Lou Elizondo says this. She says to him, let me back up a minute. Did you find it? And he says, we did, ma'am. We've seen the data. They've collected it. They, meaning these people that were working on this issue with him, the ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, say that fast three times, uh, was working on it, found the data, quote unquote, and they analyzed it and assessed it and they have a conclusive product. Again, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said. And then they were, they allowed them to determine if it was something adversarial or next generation technology, but then, he didn't elaborate. And then he pivoted in the conversation to a philosophical argument about humans having preconceived notions. So this is really interesting to me because he's saying, yes, we have it. Yes, we have the data. Yes, we have come to a conclusion. But then immediately he spins off into a philosophical argument saying, you know, when news goes against something we think is true, we reject it. Humans reject it. Yes, that's normal in a sense that that is that is true. But I just thought the timing was interesting. It was a it was a deflection. If you listen closely, yes, there's all this data, but we we don't have any concrete facts to share about it. And again, that's kind of my husband's point about this. But then he starts complimenting Megan for covering these kind of stories because a lot of people don't believe it. I just thought it was strange timing and that still the data seems ambiguous. Do I think people are seeing things? I absolutely think they're seeing things. Uh, but as far as hardcore data, I think that that, that is missing in action <laughs> to a degree, or at least they're not they're not giving us the full force of that. So the upshot of all of this is there's no evidence that it's alien, no evidence that it isn't, no evidence that it's adversarial, no evidence that it isn't, no evidence that it's next generation technology, even that we have, and no evidence that it isn't. So it's really sort of interesting. It's still a mystery. But Megan starts saying, you know, that's really scary though. They could be flying past my apartment. They could be flying past the White House. And then she says, who are they if they're not manned crafts? And then she goes on to say, this is what, like the worst case scenario, they're beings from another planet who want to interfere with our planet. Is that on the table? And Megan goes on to say, I've seen this video and you can hear the reaction of the pilots. And I agree. You know, the pilots that are typically no nonsense, straightforward, scientific data, they're very animated. They're like, what is that? And they're going against the wind. It's 120 knots to the to the west. And they're very surprised and they gasp and they can't believe it, which is, you know, just unusual. And so it's not a balloon. 
you know, the way it's moving, the altitude, etc. And then goes, they go on to say there's a bunch of them and they're coordinated. And then this is very interesting. There is some sort of intelligent control. This is what they're saying about them. There's a choreography of these things in the sky. Do you hear that? Coordinated, choreographed, intelligent. What does that sound like to you? You know what it sounds like to me? The spiritual realm, the spiritual realm. And Megan says, are these from somewhere other than earth? And so then Lou says, and I'm paraphrasing, mother nature and the universe is complex. It could be outer space. It could be inner space or the space in between. There are realities all around us we can't interfere with. You know what? This is nothing new because the Bible talks about that, the space between heaven and earth. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Deuteronomy 31, 28, gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak to these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. And that scripture has to do with God's judgment on Israel and the nations, not just immediate for the time, but has eschatological implications and it's global in its extent, which is why I particularly like it. So there is the space between heaven and earth. And of course, when he's calling heaven and earth as witness, you know, that would be, of course, heaven and earth as far as the spiritual realm is concerned and God Almighty. But there is that space between heaven and earth occupied by the spiritual realm. We know that, Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this man, Lou, goes on to speculate. And he says, we only have five fundamental senses. Could they be from outer space? Sure but they could be from right here on earth and we're just discovering them. Maybe they are from under the ocean. He's speculating this because so much of this activity is seen over the ocean, which is interesting. But he's saying maybe it's from below, which is an interesting comment to make. Did some intelligent life find us first? That was his question. Then he goes on to say, it's a much more profound Question. And Megan goes on to say, the earth has been here a long, long time. Maybe they, they, who's they, guys? Maybe they found us first, echoing what he said, what Lou said. And she sort of latched onto that as a good theory, that there was truth in that, a force from our own planet. We think we understand, but don't. So they were positing that. Now, Lou, this man is an evolutionist humanist from what I can tell. And he says, maybe these things are just another horizon for our species. So that's interesting is what he's saying. I, you know, I appreciate this man's work and his service for the country, etc. But of course, he's not a theologian. And then Megan Kelly says nothing about God, nothing about scripture, nothing about the Bible. Apparently, she's a Catholic. I believe that that's where she stands. I've I've heard no question about the spiritual implication from her in any of the conversations. So she and her guests are a little baffled about the best minds, the most scientific minds, seeing unexplainable things. And so I've been asking, of course, why has this whole thing blown up to 
this level that we see now, even though it's now a little bit on the back burner again. I have a theory about that because Megyn Kelly says it's just the beginning. And actually, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's the beginning of the end. So there is a movie called Unacknowledged, which it's a very odd film. And again, it has a lot of higher up military types. And the guy who is in it, sort of the main guy, is a medical doctor claiming not only that the sightings of UAPs, but he also goes on record that they've recovered bodies which are not human in some of these aircrafts. Now, who knows what is true or not, but this doctor, this Stephen Greer says that he thinks they are aliens who are far ahead of us and who want to know why we are in conflict. He wants to make peaceful connections with them to advance our civilization which is so interesting. Does it get by these people? Anyone who has ever claimed to be abducted has had a terrifying experience. Why is it horrifying and sexually perverted every time somebody's quote unquote abducted by aliens? What does that tell you? So the creepiest thing in the whole film is he says, these people, these beings, whatever, this is so weird. He says they are having mercy on us because they haven't destroyed us yet. Okay. No, that would be the omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent God of the universe who is having mercy on us and hasn't destroyed us yet. And then it's interesting because on the film, the former president, Bill Clinton, they show a clip of him on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. And they are discussing the subject. And Clinton says, think about it. I would unite the whole world if I were up against a common enemy, that, it, that this thing would unite the entire world if it was true and they were aliens. So there you go, uniting the whole world. And we are headed there, aliens or not, globalization. But just to hear the language, I think, is interesting. So you have the likes of Bill Clinton and Megyn Kelly and this Lou Elizondo guy saying, hmm, where is this coming from? Low Earth, Middle Earth, beings that we do not know of yet, not attributing any of it to Creator God. So I found a paper online someone wrote, and I thought this person said it so well that the Bible reveals there is a large number of beings that did not originate on earth who are keenly interested in the affairs of mankind. But these beings are not alien beings from other planets. They are spiritual beings who are evil and are attempting to use deception and lying wonders to deceive mankind. Encountering UAPs and related phenomena have been experienced by many different age groups, by men and women across different occupations and socioeconomic spheres. It's happened to many different people in different walks of life. So as Christians, we live, of course, in the physical world, but we are acutely aware of the spiritual realm. For goodness sake, we believe the triune God lives in us. That's actually melding physical and spiritual. We know God existed, so that would be his spiritual form before he created the heavens and the earth and humans, which would be physical. So in the spiritual realm, you have angels, both holy and unholy, which we would call demons, the unholy angels. So the question is, can fallen angels be behind this phenomenon? If you break down the capabilities of the angelic realm, you can see how that would be a very plausible conclusion. My husband is coming around a little bit, as you can tell. He's making a little bit of room for it because <laughs> I'm totally convinced. So we know demons deceive. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Lying wonders. 
and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion and they should believe the lie, that they should believe the lie. So to me, this kind of thing is a precursor to the time of the Antichrist. You can see the great deception on the horizon. Signs and wonders, lying, strong delusions. They possess the means, meaning the unholy angels, demons possess means to manipulate. In Exodus, it talks about this when Moses and Aaron were with Pharaoh, Exodus 7, 10 through 12. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments for every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So of course, God's power swallowed up the magicians, but the changing of the rod into serpents, that was an optical illusion on their part. Magic, some sort of manipulate, manipulation, some copycat situation. And it was like an evil supernaturalism. So the point being, Look how the demonic realm operated. They couldn't create or change anything like the plagues that God was sending. They couldn't do that. They just tried to make it look like they had the same type of power. They can appear and disappear. Angels can do that. Fallen angels can do that. Of course, they can defy gravity and they can move lightning fast. Job 1 through 6 through 7 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So in other words, he's all over the place. And I'm sure he moves very quickly. In Luke 2, 9 through 15, it says this, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Here's your early Christmas uh, scripture. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So suddenly, suddenly in the Greek, meaning immediately there and then immediately they disappeared, the holy angels, but all the angels were created by God with the same capacity. So a third of them fell. So the unholy angels have the capacity to appear and disappear. In other words, they can move lightning fast, they can come out of nowhere, they can disappear, they can go 60 miles in six seconds, like these uh, pilots are reporting. So when the holy angels appear, when good angels appear, there is an initial fright because it's so intense and startling. But what do they bring with them? Even in the passage I just read, first, what do they say? Do not be afraid. They're not trying to scare you. They're bringing good news. 
and then they are clear. There's no confusion. There's no deceit. This will be a sign. They describe exactly what you're going to see. Then they praise and worship rightly the one true God. That's a clear message. It's very different than what we're seeing in these lying, I think, lying and deceiving spirits. First, Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's misleading. That's corrupting. Those are imposters. Also, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. And all of this is taking place in Earth's atmosphere between heaven and earth in that spiritual realm. Not that Satan and his demons are restricted to that. They also can inhabit people, animals, and serpents. Genesis 3, we know that. But I think it's kind of creepy when you hear the pilots and their astonishment. Wow, look at that. Have you seen that? And you've got all this time and money and attention and taxpayer dollars and people dedicating their lives to studying this, right? And to me, there's this mocking element to these UAPs, like it's a game, like it's a deceiving, treacherous game and getting all these people to fall for it. That's the creepy part, this catch me if you can. I can almost hear, you can watch the videos. I, I feel like I can hear the diabolical laugh trailing behind the UAP. You know, demonic powers blind people from the truth, convince people of things, John 13 too. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, putting something in his heart, convincing him of something. They can afflict people. Matthew 12, 22. Then one who was brought to him, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. Of course, Jesus healed him. But they can torment people. We know that too. And they are far more powerful than humans, far more powerful than humans. They can't inhabit a Christian and we do not need to fear them because if you are a Christian, you're a child of God and protected from possession and also protected from being ultimately deceived. That's the good news, but we must be on guard. So they are extremely powerful. Second Peter says false teachers have the audacity to revile demons and that we know never to engage that way. We're never supposed to do that. We are simply supposed to call on Jesus for help and we would be foolish to command the power of supernatural demons, beings, especially Satan. Revelation 16, 14, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. That is a reference to being able to look like they are performing miracles in the book of Revelation which is very, very interesting. So just think about that in context of signs and wonders and lying spirits, because the whole point is they are taking people away and off of God, creator God, into a whole other speculation realm that these are possible aliens that need to be worshiped because like that one guy said, oh, they're having mercy on us. That means, wow, okay, then they're way more powerful and they're going to take over. So demons can temporarily manipulate energy and matter to trick people with objects. That's, that's something that they can do. So this is how, to me, a UAP can suddenly appear and disappear and defy the laws of gravity and move lightning fast. 
They're not bound by natural laws. You want an explanation about how these things are not bound by natural laws? Maybe because they are supernatural. So why might Satan be using UAPs to deceive? Well, there must be a good reason. He's highly intelligent. I don't know why he used a serpent to talk to Eve in the garden, but it worked. So he knows where humans are weak. He knows how to tempt them and draw them away from the truth of the gospel and the offer of redemption. Just like this Dr. Greer guy on that movie from, from the movie I was talking about, unacknowledged, um, completely led away from the one true God and seeking wisdom and redemption from aliens. Essentially, that's what he's doing. His mind is there and he's going to seek wisdom and redemption from aliens. Well, the good news is as believers in Jesus Christ, we can hold on to Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. So consider crazy flying things bent on deception and destruction as one of those principalities and powers if they are, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. But I do believe we'll see more of these things happening as we get closer to the return of Christ. Do not be deceived is a common scripture reference. We're told that over and over. So when I hear these people talking the way they are about these UAPs, positing everything except for supernatural demonic activity, they're much more likely to say and believe it's alien life forms than they are to consider it's supernatural and demonic. So think about that. They just can't figure it out. It all fits into the hallmarks to me of demonic activity. Now, please understand, I am not saying that it is unequivocally. I am not making that claim. I'm just saying that to me, that is a very plausible theory. Because when you drill down on the rest of these theories, to me, they sort of fall apart, except for we're seeing things that we think are observable and we think we understand, but completely do not. And we just have to accept that our data is wrong or our observations are wrong and move from there. So the government report, I'm just going to summarize it. It's like nine pages. Like I said, you could read it online and, you know, um, it's not hard to understand. But I'm just going to say the little summary cap is in a limited number of incidents. This is what they say. The UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. That's kind of as far as they're going to go. These observations could be the result of, this is their claim, sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. There are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. So what's really funny is that my husband has not read this report, but he kind of sounds like he wrote it. But they fall into one of five categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomenon, USG or US industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all other bin. Okay, other has quotes around it. So they're either airborne, like space junk that's come into our atmosphere, something like that. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomenon, USG or US industry developmental programs, foreign adversaries, yike, that's really terrifying, 
if it is, I don't think it is, and a catch-all other bin. I, I'm sitting in the other bin, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I think. So just quickly to end, again, I said all the stuff had gained a lot of momentum and now it's kind of on the back burner, but you just, you just watch. It's going to come out again. And this is funny uh, because I had thought that and I had said that. And then just a couple days ago, guess who appeared apparently over the skies at LAX? Well, the commercial airline pilot are calling him or called him and it's not his first appearance. Jetpack man. That's right. Jetpack man. You can hear the pilots and more than one sighting. 5,000 feet in the air was Jetpack Man. And they have a video of it. And they're speculating, is it a drone that just looks like there's a man attached? Or is it a real man with a jetpack on? Well, first of all, that is really bad news. I fly out of LAX and one encounter with a jetpack man in a commercial airline is not going to end well. I guess the FBI is uh, investigating. So I don't know. We don't know. Is it Jetpack Man? Is it Iron Man? Is it Superman? <laughs> or is it an unholy angel? I don't know. You be the judge. But thank you so much for listening. It was really fun to talk to my rocket scientist husband. Anyway, Drop me a line, everybody, drop me a line. I'm gonna put in the show notes my email. I want you to email me and you tell me what you think. Yeah, do you think it's Jetpack Man, Iron Man, or an unholy angel? I'd love to hear from you. Well, that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. <music>